all, and welcome back to Damon All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and what a fun week we had last week. If you haven't had a chance to see our new look, our new video, listen to our new music, check us out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we are everywhere. And I'm Tracy Deeds, and I absolutely love the rebrand and the video and everything we did. And if you love it too, please give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Oh, Tracy's not with us this week. She's in Nashville working, so our love is headed to each other from different It's sad. It's weird to be away from, from, from you. I don't like it. <laughs> and um, as a follow-up from our podcast last week when we were talking about that uh, Democratic operative, Kevin O'Brien, there was more apologizing this week. So much apologizing. We're going to talk about some this crazy fucked up story that was covered in the in the Washington Post. Also more apologizing. But this, this time, the apo- apology comes from uh, the Montana governor, Steve Bullock, who says... Uh, the governor apologized for not telling the New York City mayor's office that one of his former aides was fired for sexual harassment before that aide was hired by the city. Quote, four years ago, I fell short in my role preventing sexual harassment. I'm sorry, and I'm committed to doing better. Fuck you all. But I mean, I'm glad and he's the governor. I'm glad he he's on the record. I wonder if there's any possibility that there will be legislation put forth where if someone is fired or terminated for sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, that information can actually be public. Like so, you can tell. Yeah, we so talked about calls, that last week. Yeah, yeah, I think it's crazy and it's really relevant. So we're going to kick it off with this article from The Post because it's going to, I think, it, it really sort of, it's one story, right? It's one scenario, but it really speaks to so many of the things we tackle in this room. Um, it, it's a story that happened right here in Washington, D.C. A woman who was out for a jog in the springtime, late at night, she's a hairstylist um, at one of like the most she-she joints in the city called Immortal Beloved, finished her shift, went out for a jog, all was good, was out for a while, and was headed back saw a man down the way on the street, thought to herself, maybe I should cross the road, decided not to, proceeded, and then was attacked by this man. So he grabbed her, grabbed her by the crotch, and then grabbed her ass, shoved her to the ground. Slammed her onto the sidewalk. Yep. It's it's horrifying. She writes in the article or recounts in the article that she felt rape was eminent and death was very possible. That's what was going through her head. But she decided not to just go quietly, got herself turned around, clawed him in the face, scratched him badly, so much so that it sort of threw him off his sort of ability to hurt her. He grabbed her phone got up and ran. She didn't leave it there. She sort of wandered around until she could find a police officer, stuck with it, and then identified him later that night. And then he started to be processed. So that alone is fucked up, right? Sexual assault. But it gets so much worse, this particular story. It's a very long story. Right. So like there's so we could settle in. We could go. Yeah, we could try to recount every little tiny bit, but it would be impossible. So basically he he was arrested that night into jail, went to court, um, admitted to assaulting this woman. So this this woman, another woman that admitted to assaulting four more that were never reported. And so there are six total six total. But there's this loophole which I'm sure nobody's surprised about, around sexual assault. So sexual assault historically has been a misdemeanor because there's no rape or murder. But because 
this was so there were so many extenuating circumstances in this case the assault being both sexual and physical and then theft he stole her phone that that at one point he was going to be charged with felonies but that all fell apart and ended up only be coming up on charges of misdemeanors and because they're just misdemeanors and because he had a full-time job working in restaurants in a kitchen as a, as a head chef to, at that restaurant Brixton over at 9th and U that he was only sentenced to 10 days in jail tailored to two-day stints Mondays and Tuesdays that best fit his work schedule because he was so a rising star. So he wouldn't star. get fired. So, he wouldn't, so get fired. he wouldn't get fired from his job. And part of the reason that they were so lenient was because they felt like him coming forward and admitting the four other women that he assaulted showed remorse and that he was potentially on a path to recovery. Because he said that all of these happened when he was like blackout drunk. Like he was an alcoholic. He's, he drank. His father died when he was young. Right. And there was some trauma around that. And he now is going to stop drinking. So this uh, the story goes, this woman, um, the heroine in our story, spoke at at his hearing. And she said, what began as such a pretty night quickly became the ugliest I've ever experienced. Those details remain just as vivid and they always will. A forceful hand over my mouth, another between my legs, the collision of a man's body against mine, the pavement, the panic, the pain. So she was there. She spent a lot of time on it. She said her, she said her piece in front of the judge and it didn't matter. The judge, judge Morrison, a 69 year old woman, I think, or man, I guess I don't know the gender of the judge has had been a judge forever and before that a public defendant um and he ordered Cruz to serve 10 days in jail and then stay in 80 days in a halfway house uh receive 5 years of probation and then do all this like deep work like therapeutic work and recovery work and have like an mental emotional and mental evaluation to try to like obviously stop him from doing it again he was not placed on the sex offender registry, but then all which did. that I don't understand. Like, if you sexually assault someone, it wasn't someone, rape, I guess. Gonna... Right. So, sex offenders have to be rape. I don't know. That's I what like it we, seems I like. Should, I don't know. Up. Yeah, that seems ridiculous. Um, but, okay. So th- this this sentence the judge called extremely rigorous supervision. Noting it's not just calling your probation probation officer every three weeks and checking in. So, okay, hard stop. That is like the end of the first phase of this story. Like this woman, you know, she was assaulted and then she did all the things. They called her a prosecutor's dream. She found the police. She went down to the station. She stayed with them to find all the other women. She showed up to court every time. She testified on the record. She looked her accuser in the eye, all these things. And then he gets like this bullshit sentence. So this woman, time goes by for this woman and uh, she sees this guy. What's his name? Tracy Cruz Cruz. She sees him like around around her neighborhood. And she, she stops into restaurants like Le Diplomat on 14th street and she'll see him outside. And she has a very hard time healing or moving on because he's there around. Like they work in the same neighborhood and, and she, so she starts to track him. She starts to sort of figure out what he's doing and and then she she tries to continue to track him and his process through the legal system with her attorney and ends up finding out all these crazy things like 
his probationary terms had changed. And apparently when the probationary terms change, the victim of the assault of the original charge should be notified of such things, right? For- well, she went, she was going to go to see if she could get a, basically a re- temporary like restraining order so that he wouldn't have to be within like a hundred feet of her. Mm-hmm. And that's when she found out all this other information that he also had not been following um, like he was supposed to get treatment and get help and he didn't go, go and do any of that. Um, but this was four years into his sentence and four years into his probation. So there was only a year left to go in and actually do something and, and make a change. And so the other crazy part is this guy's career in chefery, in cooking and restaurants, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So he leaves being the chef, the head chef at Brixton and moves on to a very fancy restaurant, Vidalia, which... Is, which I've eaten at yeah, before it was me gone too. 100 it's closed times. now. So yeah. she saw that he moved to Vidalia and like knew that. And then she was she recounts it. She was out shopping in Georgetown one day and walked past it and realized it was closed and realized she did not know where he was, where he worked. And that felt like she that was too much for her. So she did a little digging and realized that he'd been hired as a chef at La Diplomat, right down the street from her salon and where she, she said where she frequented often and then started thinking like, was my food prepared for him? Was he back there when I was eating and realized that this is bullshit? Like I'm not the one that should be feeling scared all the time. Something needs to be done about it. So she took matters into her own hands and printed up a bunch of fucking flyers with this dude's picture and information about uh, about him on them and post them all over this area. And it's it's interesting because floods of women came forward and said, oh my gosh, like, I know this person. I have a story. Crazy. Including one woman who he was dating and they got real drunk one night. She got so drunk she she couldn't consent according to herself and they and he he had sex with her and she woke up naked next to him so that is some you know obviously but that that's is also rape. the same woman that that she felt he forced her to have sex in like the freezer at yeah. Vidalia and he did all that shitty stuff that we've heard about in restaurants snapping the bras of servers and um grabbing the ass as as servers walk by so th- our heroine before she took, before she did, chose the nuclear option, she did send an anonymous letter to La Diplomat saying, the man who attacked me works in your kitchen. His name is Yarrow Cruz. He was arrested for sexually assaulting me and another woman. He pled guilty to the charges and in court he admitted to assaulting four other women. Six women violated, victimized, traumatized. Imagine girlfriends meeting for cocktails at your bar and coming across the, the face of a predator or a family sitting down to order a meal and learning it had been prepared by hands they have abused so many women and at the end of the letter she wrote i'm gonna i'm gonna be launching an awareness campaign about cruise in early june i have no desire to tarnish the reputation of la diplomat and she urged the restaurant to do the right thing which they didn't they did nothing and so those flyers that she posted around town said he was a current employee and chef at la diplomat would be interesting to know if it hurt their bottom line. But well, the other thing, so if anybody that's listening to this and it's like, oh, you know, he followed his sentence, <laughs> he was doing what he was supposed to do, whatever. So this had happened. She was assaulted in 2011. In 2014, he was harassing and sexually assaulting the woman at Vidalia when he was supposed to be recovering and uh, being a better human, as he said 
was what he was going to try to do yeah. to be a better person. So it's like sort of twofold, right? It's like the, this our, guy's pretty terrible. Yeah, the criminal justice system did not do a good job at its job, right? So the criminal justice system to sort of what feels like took his side from the beginning um, because he apologized yep. and admitted more than right so by apologizing and admitting that you've been even more of a of a predator you get less of a sentence and then when they were looking out for his long-term employability with his sentence which to me it already feels like they're putting their finger on the scale in a way that doesn't protect women and then beyond that they so then they did sort of assign him to a rigorous rehabilitation program but we come to find out in the article that they never implemented that system that he was never reached out to by the people from the agency that's supposed to conduct that rehabilitation program ergo just never did it and so when they when both this woman and the washington post asked like what's up here the agency was just sort of like issued a boilerplate statement about how they you know worked to do their best in every single case blah 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 so so the legal system failed this woman. And then it gets into what I think is the more dynamic conversation here. It's a little easier when it's so pointed like this example. But we have talked a lot about what is the employability? What is the career path look like post assault or harassment? What can you, what are you allowed to do? So to me, I think, I don't know, Tracy, if you would agree, but it feels like he should not have been allowed to continue to rise in the ranks of Sheffery. Well, all of that aside, he should not have been allowed to continue to assault women <laughs> like that. That is my I don't give a shit about his job. Like he was allowed to continue to harass and assault women wherever he was. Well, how how could that have been prevented if he was I don't lock, know how he didn't up? have to spend jail time. Right. I don't know how Ten days. he wasn't Two required. <laughs> yeah, I don't I just don't understand that light of a sentence. Right. So that and I understand getting off for good behavior or I, I, he basically didn't get jail time. Right. I mean, Correct. He, they went out of his way to make sure he was protected so he wouldn't lose his job. And then if you think about oftentimes women that are sexually assaulted and or sexually harassed in the workplace, they're the ones that lose their job. Yeah. No. And they're not the ones that committed the crime. Yeah. Like there is something very wrong with with the system. All of it. Scenario. Yeah. All of it. Every piece of it. And then so it's amazing our heroine here, Lauren Clark, it's that she was sort of like, I am out of options, right? Like the legal system isn't gonna do anything to keep this guy in check. The people hiring him are not looking into what his criminal background is, even though they were not felonies. He had obviously a long list of misdemeanors on his on his record. And I feel like that must just be something available when hiring a criminal record. And if especially if the criminal record is around any sort of mistreatment of women, um, and so finally she was just like, I have to just take it to the public. And obviously it got put on social and um, on Twitter and all. And she got she got backlash. People were not happy with her that she sort of was having this vigilante moment. But I, she was so backed into a corner, you know, it's crazy. It would be one thing if the guy had like served his time and was just quietly trying to go about his job. Right. Yeah. But none of that, I mean, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. Like the probation and, and following a program, and he was still continuing to assault women throughout all of that. 
I don't know. I mean, you know, I believe in sort of guilt and forgiveness. I'm a big fan of forgiveness. I, this guy just, there is no forgiveness. Super scum. And then he just sort of like, um, at the end of the flyer moment, he released a statement through his attorney being like, you've all heard from a lot of women I don't think my side of the story adds anything here. I'm really sorry if I hurt anybody. I will continue to try to be a better person. But at this point, like it was so after the fact that there were no options in the criminal justice system, like unless more of these women bring brought new charges. And maybe that's what's going to happen next after this, because there, as Tracy said earlier, there were a lot of people um, that came out of the woodwork. But yeah, I mean, so, so, so crazy. Yeah, so crazy. I wonder if he has a Facebook page. I can't imagine anymore, you know? Yeah. Actually, I just went back to look at the article, and at the end there's a note that this article's been updated with additional information about the prosecutor's recommendation for Cruz's sentence. So maybe maybe there will be more. But she, I mean, she closes, Lauren Clark, our heroine, closes the article with, the, the night he attacked me, I was out seeking a runner's high. I haven't gone on a run since, not once. So, like, just forever. She's just going to be... She's just yeah. going to be changed forever. Clearly, she's a very brave woman, you know, clearly. Um, it takes a lot of guts to take take it and take justice into your own hands. Right. Um, but but I wonder, I mean, I wonder if he had served jail time, if she... Would feel different? It, right, I mean, that's that certainly how the story makes me... That's better. certainly what what makes what this makes me think of. I mean, the way she retells those early days when he was just cruising around DC and her really needing to keep track of where he was to protect herself. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it says she was somewhere and got out of her car in a parking lot. And then another car pulled in and this guy Cruz got out with a woman and she couldn't even, I mean, reduced to fear and tears and couldn't sleep that night. That's when she went to get to see if she could get a restraining order. Yeah. I think was then crazy. So, I mean, I think that there are obviously the more stories like this, that are out there, the more, the better it is. But hopefully there will be, I don't know. It's next to impossible to say, I hope that there is a change to the criminal justice system because it's like the most fraught system, but. Absolutely has to be tougher, tougher laws and tougher penalties. Yeah. No. Oy, oy. Um, if they put as much effort into uh, criminalizing marijuana users as they did men that were sexually harassing women and sexually assaulting women, I think it would be very different. Yeah. Sorry. Just wanted to throw in some criminal justice reform. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it starts with ca- recategorizing sexual assaults, right? I mean, just every, everything has to be serious. If, if men who assault but don't rape don't feel there will be significant punishment for that, then there's, right. so there's some shit there, you know? Um, well, and that's a question. I mean, do you think that assault is the same? Like, do you, does that get the same punishment as rape? What that guy did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there is a difference in how terrified a woman is getting raped or truly believing with their whole body they're going to get raped. Yeah. You know? No. I mean, I just don't think that there should be any ability for a man to overpower a woman with the intentions of taking advantage of her in any way, shape, or form that is not met with a su- significant and severe punishment. Yeah. So... So if anyone sees that guy cruise around town, I don't know, cross the street and then yell bad names at him. I feel like he probably left town. You think? Or I don't is know he that even allowed? Was he even allowed to leave town? 
I don't know. It didn't say in the article, but yikes. I mean, I was like reading that article in my office and like exclaiming out loud. My colleagues were like, what? I was like, oh my God, you have to read this article. It's terrifying and terrible and amazing all at the same time. All right, Tracy, why don't you talk to us about today's button? Oh, I hate today's button. Well. The button, the button, the sexism button. Okay, so there's a study that is that claims it shows gender bias starts early with girls' pain taken less seriously than boys. They took a child that was androgynous. So in appearance, you couldn't, by looking at the child, tell if it was a boy or a girl. They pricked the child's finger, uh, videoed this, showed the video to two different groups. One of the groups, they asked how much pain they thought the child was in and that the child's name was Samuel. The other group, same question, but they told the group that the child's name was Samantha. The group who were told that the child's name was Samuel, felt the kid was in on a scale of 1 to 100, had a higher rate of pain than the group that was told the, the, the child's name was Samantha, from a rate of 50.4 to 45.9. Mm-hmm. So their conclusion is that there are already gender stereotypes and that boys are more stoic and girls are more emotive and that was that was why which but isn't that counter right so i got super fired up about this because i'm like what the fuck (laughs) of course they think the boy was in more pain because they everybody knows that men have a lower pain tolerance than women so that could have been part of it but if dwayne johnson the rock got punched in the face and david spade got punched in the face and you watched both of those things happen, who would you assume was feeling more pain? My guess is David, David Spade. Spade. He's, yeah. he's a small dude, like Dwayne Johnson, big dude. So didn't the study say that the the people that were guessing the pain thought that the boys were in more pain than the girls? Yeah. So the whole like being more emotive and being smaller is op- is opposite to that. Correct. That, that was what they were saying. Yeah. But yes, that is what they were saying. So is it that because historically and culturally boys are not encouraged, in fact, often they are discouraged from showing emotion that a bunch of old dudes seeing a little boy cry m- means to them, oh, he must be in a lot of pain because boys are taught not to cry? I don't know. I mean, kids are kids. Like, everybody cries when they're five, No, right? I know, but there's got to be no some difference in, in, between... implicit bias, right? That's what we're talking about, right? Like, right. like if it, it... The only way a boy would shed a tear is if it really hurt. But girls, they cry at everything, so it must not hurt that much if right. she's not crying, which is all... It's, it's silly. I mean, yeah. people should be able to experience and show emotion however it suits them, regardless of their gender. But correct. They're trying to make the argument that we as a society downgrade females a female's pain more so than we do a male's yeah. pain. Yeah. Well, we downgrade a lot of things about women more than we do men as a, oh, as a society. 
we don't have to get on that today. Not all of it is bad. Women rule. Why you gotta <laughs> I know say that you like women. Right? I'm just saying that women are often reviewed as maybe not being as smart or ambitious or those are the old days. to earn. Get on the new train. Or... We're all smart and ambitious. Get on the train, Kelly. Come on. Get but on the train. Were the people in the room watching the little boy girl cry, were they on the train or were they old school? No, I don't know. I mean, my guess is that they thought that a girl has a higher tolerance for pain than boys. I mean, that's... And do you think that's because women have the babies? You think that's somehow like intrinsic that women, if women can push a 10 pound baby out of their vagina, then they must have a high pain tolerance? I mean, so I go back to like my childhood and I think about things that like aunts and uncles or cousins or whatever would say, like it was always assumed that women had a higher tolerance for pain than boys. What do just you, enjoy, I don't, just like I don't know why. Using your own like instincts. Why do you think? I think it's because we have to push a baby out of our vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But it's also like counterintuitive to this sort of testosterone driven narrative in this country of like that men fight each other and, that you can, they can get punched in the face and they're fine. And, you know, like if you need something that hurts, I don't know that anybody thinks that you can get punched in the face. That's fine. I I mean, I don't, I mean, I think that's a narrative that you like to play because. Because it exists. Because it's real. I mean. Because it's a real thing. I, I, I changed our garbage disposal in my house. I mean, I don't, nobody stopped me from doing it. But that doesn't require strength or the ability to tolerate pain. That just takes it does require willingness a to understand the to manual. Shit up. <laughs> I mean, Greg did help me, so you know. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, women can't do that kind of stuff without a man's help, Tracy Dates. Um, they could have, but he was there to help, and he wanted to be useful. So I'm just teasing you. That was a joke, but I was not joking about the narrative about men being strong and women being soft. I think that's a real thing. I think that I is a real thing. I think it's changed. I don't. I, I think that that is completely changing. Neither you I nor you I can speak very clearly on this because neither of us have two kids of different genders. You know what I mean? Like my boys yeah, are super at, different, but they're both right. boys. But you watch the Super Bowl, right? Like you saw the I woman did. football player that might be the first female NFL football player. No, I missed that, that part. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. So Tell there was that. Toyota had a commercial with a oh. woman that's playing football in college. Like she's amazing. Like I can't. What position I, does she play? Uh, like a real, know. like a real She's one, or she kicker or punter? I think she was like a running back or wow. wide receiver, or something like that. Yeah, that's but, cool. Yeah. Was it a real position? <laughs> I love how you just assume <laughs> that kickers aren't real positions. I that's mean, they're important, especially when you're the kicker for the New England Patriots right. and you miss your first field goal in the lowest scoring Super Bowl in the history of our country. So that boring, was terrible. Wow. Yeah. But that is great that there is a female. Although, how does that jive with your men are just? Oh man, I think she's gonna stronger. have a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> because, <laughs> she because is... you have a lot of opinions about that. I do, and I think it's awesome, and I think that she could totally like take my husband out. But like when she gets up to compete against Julian Edelman, which weighs two hundred and fifty pounds, that guy's so short though, or compared to is. the other ones, he's five eleven. Yeah. But yes. And she's only five foot seven, right? Like she's, Where does she play football? Do you know? Uh, East Los Angeles College. She's oh. a free safety. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I'm excited about it. It'd be awesome to see a woman in the NFL. I think like it, a new generation of women in strength. 
that's sort of why yeah, you're talking I just, about I her. Yeah, I think it's going to be yeah. it's going to be tough. I mean, do you ever watch any of those shows like American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, my kids are obsessed. They do Saturday like Ninja Warrior training now at like a gym in Rockville. That is awesome. But there's another show that just came out. I can't think of the name of it. Titan but, uh, Games? Yes, Dwayne yeah. the Rock Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Those women oh my God. are nuts. They're like 100% muscle. That one woman pulled a like 250 pound rock across like a like yeah that is that feet. that rock is in every thing you know it's uh, ridiculous it, we were having a conversation with people in my neighborhood this weekend about that Titan Games versus like old school American Gladiator you remember when I mean these shows have been around forever. Um, and the, the gladiators, except the gladiators, remember like regular people would go up against a gladiator and like jousting and stuff. Do you remember any of this, Tracy Deets? I do. And that there was like a lady gladiator who was very strong. That's awesome. But I mean, I, I love it that women are getting stronger. I I mean, I still think we are like, if you take the, the if you take the winner of the Titan games, that's a dude and the winner of the Titan games that is a man and they competed. (laughs) The man is going to win. (laughs) You just said, if you take the dude and you put him up against the man, the sorry, the lady, sorry, (laughs) you take the lady and put him against the man. Yeah. Man's going to win. Yeah. Well, let's go back to talking about women because that's what we like to do on this show. And Nevada. Oh, I'm excited, but it's It's, all Democrats. It is all Democrats. I mean, it is a thing. Democrats elect more women than Republicans, but you guys, I feel like maybe should get a pie where it's going to get, we're going to do better. And somebody on your side is trying to do that. Trying to recruit more women. Elise, Elise Stefanik. Elise She she launched a pack. Okay. Anyway, on Monday, Nevada State House begins its legislative session by uh, marking a major milestone. It's the first time in our nation's history that any state legislature holds a majority of female lawmakers. Just like the country, the body is slightly more than half women. So that's awesome. And apparently New Hampshire once upon a time had more women. And right now in Colorado, there's more women, but only in one um, one branch of the state legislature. On average, there's about 30% of women elected in state-held state, state held seats, with the exception of places like Mississippi, West Virginia, Alabama, and Louisiana, where women make up only 15% of the state lawmakers. So there's pretty widespread, but we should celebrate the wins where we can get them. We get I, It's exciting. I mean, the more women that we have in leadership, the better. Right? Totally. And then there's not going to be any men left after they all fall. Yeah. You remember when we were talking about um, the R. Kelly documentary and then the prosecutor in Chicago, Kim Fox, who was looking for people to charge him? So that has kept going. And, I, you know, there was an effort years ago to try to get R. Kelly for his bad behavior and illegality. But the prosecutor at the time in Chicago was a white man and didn't take the extra step. And so I think a lot of the sentiment is that because this is a woman of color in this position, specifically they elected a woman to that position, that there will be sort of tangible consequence to bad behavior on the behalf of R. Kelly. So it's just a pointed example of the change that can be made when women are elected to positions of power, especially, you know, the, the content of this podcast going full circle, especially when the legal system fails women so often, um, to start to put women in those seats and women with, 
with a past, you know, one in four women in this country have experienced sexual assault, or maybe it's more than that. I think one in four women in this country have had an abortion, but there is a lot of people that have had very personal experiences. And when you bring personal experience to legislative roles, to law, to lawmaking roles, things change. They just do. Yeah. So way to go, Nevada. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Pretty, pretty great. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like Tracy and I are a little bit solid today because of Yarrow Cruz in that first story, but it's the kind well, of story also that we're needs apart. to be out there. We're apart. We're not drinking. We're apart. We're, apart. we're, we're talking drinking. about serious stuff. Oh, <laughs> what a very serious episode. Do you know a joke, Tracy? Tell me a joke. Do you know no, a joke? You, no. No. We suck. I don't. We should have but I will say this. So our video is out, which is awesome. And I cannot believe how much my face moves. <laughs> I was very you shocked just think by this. There's more Botox in there. Like, why would it move so I much? I feel like my face looks an <laughs> awful lot for as much Botox as in there. It's good to be animated, Tracy Dates. It is. I it like is. when you're animated, both your face and your colorful language at times. <laughs> also, very few, very little cursing today. When we're serious, we don't we we keep the language serious. It seems. It's uh, it has everything to do with how much we've had to drink because the <laughs> pink tax episode. My husband made the point that like oh, every other word was the yeah. F word. Yeah. So, well, yeah. You anyway. had had a rough twenty four hours. It had been a rough twenty four hours. <laughs> that is true. All right. Thanks so much for listening. So glad you joined us today. Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Dave at All. Thanks, friends. See you next week. 